TVA. The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Welcome to another episode of Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with giving news and opinions on the television industry. I'm your host, Dan Schmidt, with my co-host... Hey, it's Nico. This week's episode is dedicated to covering the TV-based news revealed at Comic-Con 2010. This includes Dan and I discussing the trailer screenings and celebrity panels that occurred at the convention, in which... The people behind our favorite shows share information about their new season premiering this fall. And I have to say, Comic-Con time to me, it's almost like Christmas. I'm almost, it's funny to say, but I'm almost kind of giddy as a schoolgirl when uh, Comic-Con comes around. Because finding out all this information about what's coming in the fall, it just gets me really fired up. And it's like Christmas morning, running down the stairs, opening all the great presents. One of these years, you and I got to make a trip out there. Yes, we do. We have to check it out. Maybe we can even record from there. That would be awesome. Like a plan. Comic-Con is just an exciting thing. And we thought that since we couldn't get there, at least we would share all the information we found out at Comic-Con with you. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, I think pretty much everyone with the show has an idea or picked up an Entertainment Weekly to know about this event. But Comic-Con is a convention held in San Diego that originally showcased comic books, science fiction, fantasy, and film and television. Now the convention has expanded over the years to include a larger range of pop culture elements, such as horror, anime, manga, animation, toys, collectible card games, video games, web comics, and fantasy novels. So basically, anything that has to do with pop culture is now covered at Comic-Con. And this is the big international festival of pretty much American pop culture. And the convention is the largest convention in America, and it's the second largest in the world. The biggest comic book convention actually takes place in France. But this one is the second largest in the world, and it basically, in 2007, filled to capacity the San Diego Convention Center where it takes place. And they did that with over 125,000 attendees. And I think they get about those numbers every year. So it's a huge event, and since it's so huge, we thought we needed to take care of this and talk about it on the air with all of you. Also, before we get things started, Joel, who was the guest host on our Avatar The Last Airbender episode, he has a video blog on YouTube, and you can access that video blog by going on YouTube and searching for J Life Is Music. And that's all one word, J Life Is Music. But if you search that, you can subscribe to his channel, and you can check out his web show. It's all about his career at trying to be a musician, and him trying to advocate for people with disabilities in fun and amusing ways. One of the things he has planned for his show is that he's going to have one of his friends who's not disabled drive a wheelchair into a handicapped parking place and get out of the wheelchair and walk in the store. So he's got some kind of comical, candid camera ways to kind of introduce disability advocacy to people and also to just show his exciting career as a musician. It's really interesting. Check it out. 
It's a lot of fun to watch. We're also going to be providing a link to that through our website by the time this episode is posted. We're going to move into Comic-Con now. And if any of you watch the cable station G4's coverage of Comic-Con or try to follow the event on the internet, you're most likely hit with the avalanche of news about the entertainment industry. For example, with the G4 special, they had talking heads, on-location reporters, and a news ticker running across the bottom of the screen, all giving out entertainment news. And I found it to be a bit overwhelming. At this point, we at Across the Airways felt it was our responsibility to help you brave the storm of information. So let's dive right into Comic-Con with some headlines from the G4 special. And the following headlines deal with topics that are discussed on the show, but not really on a regular basis, such as movies, animation, and comic books. And due to this, Dan and I felt the following would not contain a discussion, but we just go through and hit the hard facts and do more of an in-depth discussion on the TV panels coming up later. Yep, so just stay tuned for that. And we're just going to get things started with the first headline. And the first headline was, it was announced that Marvel Studios has reacquired the rights to The Punisher and could start work on another reboot of The Punisher film franchise. DC Comics has announced Bruce Wayne will return, causing multiple emergences of Batman in the DC universe. Also, Wonder Woman has a new costume, and Superman will be walking across America to rediscover his Earthbound heritage. Marvel Comics have announced that the Red Hulk will be joining the Avengers. New mutants are going to be introduced to the X-Men universe, and an Ultimate Thor series of comics is going to be released. An Avatar The Last Airbender spinoff entitled The Legend of Korra will premiere in the fall on Nickelodeon. A trailer for the Thor movie has been leaked. Check out the link to it on acrosstheairways.com. Also, Thor will tie into the Captain America movie by an Asgardian artifact being responsible for the creation of the Nazi supervillain Red Skull played by Hugo Weaving. And this artifact is said to be what is known as the Cosmic Cube. If you don't know what that is, it's an artifact for the Marvel Universe. Check it out on Wikipedia. It's called the Cosmic Cube. In case you don't already know, Joss Whedon will be directing the Avengers movies, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark or Iron Man, Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain America, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, Hawkeye, and Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Hulk. And in my honest opinion, Ed Norton should be Bruce Banner, the Hulk. <laughs> Marvel is going to have four anime TV series premiere on G4 that are going to be based on the current Iron Man, Blade, and Astonishing X-Men comics. An Avengers and an Ultimate Spider-Man animated series will be premiering on Disney XD Channel in the fall. This is probably common knowledge, but a Green Lantern movie is coming out, starring Ryan Reynolds as Hale Jordan Green Lantern, Blake Lively as Carol Ferris, Peter Sarsgaard as Hector Hammond, and Mark Strong from Sherlock Holmes as Sinestro. DC Comics has a new animated series in the works for Cartoon Network called Young Justice, which will focus on the Teen Titans currently in the comics. John Favreau will be directing a movie based on the graphic novel Cowboys vs. Aliens, starring Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig. Zack Snyder's upcoming movie Sucker Punch contains everything a fanboy could want, from mecha robots to 
sexy, attractive women. According to Entertainment Weekly, Bod 23 was canceled due to MGM possibly going bankrupt. This could lead to the end of the James Bond franchise. Which would be sad. It would be horrible. And if you haven't checked it out, there's an article right now in the current Entertainment Weekly magazine all about this cancellation of James Bond. So check out that article. And if any of you out there are on the internet, try to show some support or come up with some way to keep James Bond going. Also, if you want to find out more details about any of these headlines read, you can check out the G4 website, which right now is in your ACC feed. So click on that link in the ACC feed if you want to find out any more information about any of these things. The only thing about the G4 website is there's a lot of articles, so you're going to have to shift your way through. But once you do, you'll find out all this rewarding information. And if that doesn't work, just search any of these topics in Google, and you should find out all the information you need to hear. So we're going to move on now to the TV show panels. And we're going to start out with one of my favorite shows during the week, which will be premiering its new sixth season on Friday nights at 9, 8 central on the CW Network, Supernatural. What we're to do with this section is they had the panel where basically if you've not seen any of these Comic-Con panels, basically how it works is the stars of the show along with a few of the writers or the executive producer, come out and talk to a large audience at Comic-Con about their plans for the new season. And they also give people in the audience opportunities to come and ask the stars questions about the show or what they have planned in the future. The panels, I would suggest checking them out on YouTube. They're really interesting to watch. But there's a lot of fluff that goes on. There's a lot of them trying to kind of romance the crowd, the stars, and things like that. There's a lot of questions that are asked that are kind of unimportant. So what I did is I sat, Nico and I, sat through all of these panels and kind of gathered the information that you would want to hear that you would be most excited about with the upcoming new season. So we're going to read these like headlines, and at the end of this section, Nico and I are going to talk about what we're most concerned or excited about for the upcoming season. So let's get things started with the first headlines. First off, the panel started with Jensen Ackles say that he will be directing an episode all about Bobby. And Mark A. Shepard will return as Crowley in the episode. Yeah, and this season is going to be a lot like season one in the sense that it's all about Sam and Dean hunting monsters. And the monsters will be connected to the show's mythology. It wasn't necessarily explained how he had the panel, but it's something about a plot line where Sam and Dean must clean up the chaos caused by the apocalypse. Now this has to do with them getting Bobby's soul back from Crowley. And yeah. if, if you didn't know in season five, basically what happened is Bobby was paralyzed, he was put in a wheelchair, and he gave his soul away to be able to walk again. And so season six is kind of going to start out with the aftermath of that. Castiel's role will revolve around establishing a new hierarchy in heaven. And he kind of said that he his job is going to be clean-up duty as the prominent angel left in heaven. Recently, there's been a big debate on the internet uh, the possibility that Chuck Carver-Edlund, who was the writer of Supernatural within the universe of the show, people thought that he was God instead of a prophet, like they said on the show. And according to Eric Kripke, the executive producer of the show, and the man who came up with the bot lines for Supernatural seasons one through five, he said the idea that Chuck is God or the possibility 
should be left to your own interpretation. This year there will be an episode that deals with fairies. Which I think will be slightly humorous. And we'll uh, from the panel, it, it very much sounded that way. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one. That should be a blast. There will also be two major female characters this season. Before you get all upset and everyone gets angry about how that's going to work, basically Lisa's going to come back as a love interest for Dean, which I do like her. I did like the episode where she was on the show and Dean had the relationship with the sunbed. I thought that was really good. The other female character is not going to be a love interest, but a relative, I think a cousin of Sam and Dean's from their mother's side, which may possibly be a love interest for Bobby. It was kind of joked about on the panel. I don't know if that's true or not, so don't quote me on that. But I think we'll have a female character that's going to be an integral part and also related to Sam and Dean. And some great news, there's going to be a supernatural anime. And now the bad news, in Japan, American fans have to show interest to get it released in the U.S. Jensen and Jared will provide the voices, so let's let's show some support and maybe uh, get that released here in the U.S. I just don't know how Jensen Ackles and Jerry Padalecki is going to talk in Japanese, but maybe there's <laughs> something we don't know. In Japanese? Yeah, I don't know Japanese. But uh, root for that to come out, though, everybody. I think it would be awesome. Also, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's known for playing Sam and Dean's dad, will not be returning due to a busy schedule. I'm okay with that because this is more about their mother's side of the family, so it'd be weird that he came back into the fold. Also, he's dead, so it's a bit of a stretch. But yes. Go ahead. I'd like to have seen him come back, but I don't think it's critical to the storyline. But we have another dead character that's going to make an appearance on the show. You want to take it away with that, Nico? Yeah. Mitch Fleggy, best known to me as Skinner from the X-Files, yes. will be returning as Sam and Dean's grandfather. And we don't know how he's going to return. It could be a flashback. It could be a ghost. There's a million different things. that The world is supernatural. So the possibilities are endless. Also, Dean's storyline is going to start one year after the end of Season 5. And basically, it said he will start out living a normal life with a family and then be sucked back into his life as a hunter. And my theory at this point is that Bobby is going to have to do with that, with the whole thing with getting his soul back from Crowley and everything like that. I think that's what's going to bring Dean back into the fold, especially since his experience in hell will probably make him not want Bobby to end up there. Yep. Nico, what are you most excited or concerned about? for uh, this upcoming season of Supernatural. I'm most concerned about how they'll deal with Dean leaving the family and becoming a hunter again, and how they'll incorporate the family he started or joined into his hunting life, and I'm hoping that his home life will not be destroyed. That being said, I'm most excited to see the brothers back out on the road, fighting demons and monsters again, and I'm also excited to see how love interest will pop up for Sam and maybe, as you said, even Bobby. They haven't said anything about a recurring female love interest for Sam, but I think we're going to see a lot more of the same from the previous seasons where Sam helps somebody, they, they fall in love or have a relationship and move on. It would be interesting to see Bobby, since we saw his wife in the last season, maybe seeing him move on now to a new love interest. And I'm glad to see that Bobby will play a prominent role in this season and that Mark A. Shepard will reprise his role as Crowley. Yes, I'm very excited about that too. 
And I really, I'm with you, Dico. I really hope the family aspect stays there because the one thing I said I was worried about is I don't want to go back to that theme of Sam and Dean constantly sacrificing themselves for each other. But yeah, we got sick of that. Yeah, cool. you mentioned that on a previous episode, and I just, I don't want that to happen. And I think the family aspect, introducing love interest and other things like that, I think that's just what we need to keep that theme from existing there. Because I really do, I think this next half of the show, because I do feel like seasons one through five is chapter one, and this is chapter two, is going to be about Sam fighting redemption and Dean having life as a family. And so I think that the love interest will keep that going. And also I think Sam will be in debate about having a relationship or wanting what Dean has because of his past mistakes makes him feel like he's not capable of doing those things. So I think it would be interesting to see that type of character. I also think we're going to see a much stronger Sam this season. So I'm really excited about that. I think in the past there were a lot of people that were against love interests. I know in season two and three, people were really against them. But I think it's time now for it to happen. I think that it was too early, and audiences were at the point where they wanted to see more uh, Sam and Dean on the road, sacrificing themselves for each other. But I, I'm kind of tired of it. I got really tired of it at season five. And it didn't, I don't want to say I didn't like season five, but I felt that the religious concept, especially near the tail end of the season, where Dean dealt with that false prophet, and then they said God wasn't coming to help them, and all this stuff, it just made things overcomplicated or overwhelming for me, and I really wanted to go back to the roots of Sam and Dean hunting things that go bump in the night. And I think that we're going to go back to that with this season. So I'm excited, and I would much rather see character building and family issues more than going back to the religious stuff. It was good, and it made an amazing season four. Season four is outstanding because of that, but with season five, I just got tired of the heavy concept too much. I mean, that's not why I got into this show. I got into this show because I thought it was cool that these guys were cruising around in the car, hunting the things that go bump in the night and blasting things with shotguns. I want to go back to more of that stuff, the more of the action stuff. So I think we're going to get that with season six. I think you're right with that, Dan. They are definitely going to be more action this year. That's just my interpretation as well from the panel. Yeah. Well, I think it's about time that we jump into one of the first shows that you and I ever started talking about. Yeah. Another Friday night just preceding Supernatural will be Smallville. We're going to start with the first headline. and It was very exciting. This was an exciting panel to watch, and there was an outstanding trailer before this panel started. It's available online. It's in HD. It's on YouTube. Check out the Season 10 trailer. It's awesome. It kind of visually shows all this information that we're going to tell you about. And the first big surprise, and it started in the trailer, and then the actor actually came into the panel, John Schneider is going to be returning as Jonathan Kent. But that's not all. Lionel Luther, his character will be returning, and Kara, Supergirl, will also be returning to Smallville. So that's really excited that they're coming back. And Nico, you want to talk about the other person who may return? Dan and I have been pushing for this, but no word yet on Michael Rosenbaum returning as Lex Luthor. But the fans are starting a campaign to get him back on the show. Dan and I are definitely part of that campaign. 
Yes, and we're saying it here that they're pulling a fast one on us and he's coming back. I think so. Dark Side will be this season's major villain. You don't know who he is, look him up on Wikipedia, but I guess this Dark Side on the show, like Zod and Doomsday before that, will be slightly different than in the comics. Also, James Marster, who we all know as Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, will also be reprising his role as Brainiac, which was a part of seasons five and seven of Smallville. Jonathan Kent will be returning in the season premiere entitled Lazarus. And in this episode, Lois will discover the Superman costume Martha sent to Clark. Which is a very shocking and surprising thing. And one quick note I want to mention on that is that Lois will be very much in the role that Chloe had during the end of season four, where Lois knows the secret, but she does not tell Clark that she knows. So there's going to be a little bit of tension between them where Clark is trying to keep the secret from her, but in reality, Lois already knows everything. Also, we're going to have a character from the comics in the early days of Superman. Nico, you might have been introduced to her while you've been reading Man of Steel, but uh, Cat Grant and her son will be introduced in episode two, entitled Shield. And that may mean we may get to see the famous Toy Man story arc where actually Toy Man kills Cat Grant's son. And Toy Man has been a huge character, a part of Smallville. All the episodes with him have been very intense. And I think this would be a great thing to have on the show. And also kind of have Clark see the reality of the world that people can't die and that his villains are extremely dangerous and he's got to go out there and do something about that. The other topic we have mentioned is that Darkseid henchman Glorious Gottfried may be introduced. And Gottfried was responsible for turning the government against the DC heroes in the comic book crossover Legends, meaning that season 10 may be based on this story. And this seems really fitting based on the stuff that the Checkmate story arc, which they had in season 9, which is planned on considering season 10, dealt with the superheroes of the government fighting each other. And Legends, what that is, is a story that takes place in the early days of the post-crisis DC universe. It causes the government and the superheroes to accept each other and for them to accept Superman. So it's a perfect storyline because it's all about Superman and it's about the world accepting Superman. And I think that's the point we're at with the show. The Superman's going to be introduced and the world needs to accept him. And the Legends story arc is the best way to do it. Episode 2 will mainly focus on Hawkman and introduce Hawkwoman, which will be exciting. Or she may go by Hawkgirl. I'm not sure on that one yet. Also, Carol will return in Episode 3, which is entitled Supergirl. It is also revealed that Lex, I think this is going to occur in the first episode, that he started a project where he created clothes of himself, and this will be connected to Project Canvas, which played a huge part in the Death and Return of Superman story. And also the creation of the Superboy character, which exists in the comics and is a part of Teen Titans. So if you read the comics, you kind of know what Canvas is all about. For those of you who just watch TV, it also made up a big story arc on the Justice League Unlimited Animated Series. And that was in the second season of the Unlimited Animated Series. Or if you count Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as a whole series, it would be considered a season three. Justin Hartley, or the Green Arrow, will be in... 17 episodes, and Erica Durant, or Lois Lane, will be in all 22. Chloe will be in the season premiere and reappear at various points throughout the season to wrap up her story arc. 
she will also be appearing in the comics. I don't know the actual date on that, but Jeff Johns said he's the moderator of it and also a big writer for DC Comics. He said that she is coming into the fold very soon. Speaking of Jeff Johns, he is writing an episode involving the Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Episode 200, which I'm very excited for, will deal with Clark going to a small high class reunion, along with giving us a look at the past, present, and future. And I'm thinking, since he's going back to Smallville, to the high school, this episode's going to include the return of several meteor freaks. And the reason why I say several is that now Clark's powers has reached a level that he can take down a lot of bad guys. And one meteor freak that we had in the first season, I don't think it's enough to take him down. So the add intensity to this episode, they're going to have to bring back a lot of meteor freaks. And I think it'll be exciting to see, and I think it'll wrap things up. We also, this might be the episode where we get to see Clark fly, which I'm very excited for. They kind of skirted that question when it was asked whether we would see him fly in the panel. So they didn't give a definite answer. They kind of hinted at some stuff, but never really answered the question, which is understandable. Well, there is that one shot where... I think it was the Daily Planet globe falls off the building. This is in the season 10 trailer. And he jumps. I don't know if he jumps or he flies up and catches it. I'm right. not sure what necessarily that was. So, But that's been a big topic of debate is, is he jumping or flying? And we'll see all that explained probably very soon. And as for what I'm most excited about for this season, I'm excited for this season having the moments in the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, if you see them where you just can't help but smile at the awe and wonder of Superman. I don't know, every time I watch a Christopher Reeve movie, I always walk out of there with a smile on my face, and I'm just ready and fired up for anything that's Superman. And I hope that this season gives us those feelings. The trailer did, the end of season 9 did, especially with that look into the future that they had in the season 9 finale. That just about floored me. So I think we're going to get those kids with Smallville. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to them wrapping things up with Chloe's plotline and Clark saying goodbye to Smallville, which may occur in episode 200 or later on. There's been stories about Superman where he's left Smallville and sold the farm, and I think that's going to happen on this show because it's just fitting for the end of the season. If you watch Battlestar Galactica, Galactica was destroyed at the end of the episode because that was the end of the series. So I feel like... Clark's going to sell the farm and say goodbye to Smallville as a way to give Smallville an end, but also to give a beginning to the Superman story, which will continue on in the comics. As for what I'm concerned about, I'm concerned about Darkseid being the main villain this season because the concepts behind his planet known as Apocalypse and his hunt for something called the Anti-Life Equation, which I still, I'm a huge fan of comic books. I'm a really hardcore DC fan. I've read it for years. I love Superman but I still can't explain what the heck the anti-life equation is. And if any of you people out there listening to the podcast can explain it, I would totally welcome an email from you and help me understand it because it's just overwhelming to me. And I think this is going to be especially hard for the casual Superman fan. And a casual Superman fan, what I mean by that, is people who may have just seen the movies or just watched Smallville. And I appreciate them being interested in Superman. Also, Smallville got more people interested in Superman and I just don't want this complicated stuff like Dark Side and Apocalypse to take that away from everybody. Also, as excited as I am for it, the return of characters from previous seasons and the introduction of more superheroes, such as Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, I think it might be too much. 
and it could potentially make the end of the show feel rushed. But from my understanding that they're going to get all the superhero Justice League stuff, Justice Society stuff, out of the way at the beginning of the season, like with the Hawkman episode and things like that, and then the last half is going to completely focus totally on Clark and him taking his place as Superman. Yeah, my concerns are along those same lines, that there's going to be too many villains or too many guest stars, that the season could get overly complex and potentially convoluted, as you just said. And I totally agree, this could end up with a rush-to-the-finish feel that may cheapen the last season of this great show. And this had better be the last season. No more of this just-one-more-season editions. You know, I think this is done. I think this is it. What scares me, though, is the last great superhero television series was, and I consider this as one whole series, was the DC Animated Universe. And that includes Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, T-Titans, all those shows. Basically, Justice League, which I feel is like the end of that universe, the final season was very, very weak. And they tried to do the Legion of Doom plotline where there was a group of bad guys that were kind of like an evil form of the Justice League, and then there was the Justice League, and they were going to go at it. And there was just too many villains and too many characters, and a great show that I love became really corny at the end, and I felt almost disappointed with the ending. And I invested about 10 years into that, and the ending, it really disappointed me, and I just hope that doesn't happen with Smallville, because I really like it, and it, I would say this is my version of Superman that I grew up with. So I want his storyline to end properly and bridge into the comics nicely because I myself one of the things I want to do in my life is write Superman stories or write Superman comics so I would like to have a great ending to the show to base my material off of because it will help me and also I need to find out Chloe's head so I can figure out how she fits into the comic books and what her role is because I want to include her in my Superman stories now I'm most excited to see Clark fly and to don the Superman costume this will be, for me, the culmination of ten seasons, and I hope to see that in the finale. I don't know how much we're going to see of Superman. I don't know how much we're going to see of Clark in the costume. I'm pretty sure we'll see him fly. I'm pretty sure we may see the back of a cape or something, but I don't know if we'll see him in full-blown costume. Also, I think that costume that Lois finds, I don't think that's what he's going to wear. I think they're going to have a variation of it that appears later on at the end of the season. Because to give it away that quick, that just doesn't seem to work for me. Okay. So let's move on to our information about the panel on Fringe. And Nico, you want to take it away with the first headline? Meeting the alternate versions of themselves will make the main characters explore the road not taken within their own lives in Season 3. Peter and Olivia may have a sexual relationship this season. Walter's story arc involves him questioning, if not removing his memories, would have caused him to become Walter. Dr. Bell may have not told Walter necessarily the truth about deciding to remove his own memories. Alternate Broyles has enormous respect for Walter, but that loyalty may change by the end of the season. Nina Sharp's mentioning of greatly caring for Peter when the original Peter from our reality died will be explained. We also may get to see an alternate Nina. Alternate Astrid will be portrayed very cold, like a machine, and will have a big part at the beginning of the season. The writers also delve into Astrid's personal life by revealing things like her apartment. 
it was funny to see the actress talk about that, where she said, up to this point, she had no real backstory, just how she interacts with the other characters. And now that she has an apartment and has seen the walls, she knows so much more about her character. And I think her character is going to be a uh, bigger part this season. She was kind of a fly on the wall the first season. But the second season, she really came into her own. And I really enjoy the character, and I want to find out more about her. So I'm excited about that. Also, many episodes will be a combination of standalone and mythology. And the example that was given was the White Tulip episode, which, if you don't know exactly what that is, that's the one where Peter Weller, who's most famously known as RoboCop, Thank you for your cooperation. came in and was a time traveler and went back in time to try to prevent his wife from getting killed in an accident. So they want to do more episodes like that that really make you think, but also kind of give some mythology and delve into the issues that are going on with the characters. The writers want Leonard Nimoy to return as Dr. Bell only if they can talk him out of retirement for the fourth time. I'm all right if he doesn't come back because I felt like they ended his story pretty well at the end of season two. I agree. The members of the Fridge Division in the alternate reality are viewed as heroes like firemen. Yes, and the people from the alternate reality, they know more about the first appearance of man than the people on our side, which will play a part in Season 3. I don't necessarily know how that's all going to work, but we'll see. I think what is going to happen is both realities are going to have to work together to reach a goal, and it must have something to do with that. Well, I've talked about a few of the things I'm concerned about in each of the previous two shows, I'm really not concerned about much for Fringe. I've liked most everything that this show has done thus far. I am slightly concerned, as we talked about, there's going to be a, possibly a sexual relationship between Olivia and Peter, and I'm, I'm concerned about it being Peter and the bad Olivia, or Bolivia, having that sexual relationship, and I'm really hoping this happens after the real Olivia returns, rather than it being with Bolivia. And I'm concerned because knowing the way TV writers work, it will most likely occur with the Bolivia character. Then Peter will find out almost immediately, like maybe the next scene or the next day or whatever, he will find out that she's not who she claims to be and it will almost be like it never happened because that's just the way TV works. He had a sexual relation with Bolivia and not with Olivia and then they're both going to be on different levels when he finally goes and saves her from the other side. So I know that's how they're going to do it. I don't want to see it that way. So I'm slightly concerned about that. And I'm slightly concerned, as we are always, with Olivia and Anna Torv's portrayal of Olivia and Bolivia character. Yes. Just that. Are we going to believe that she could act out a different personality? That's the big debate with that one. The other thing is, I really hope that theory, it makes sense that you have about Peter end up having sex with Bolivia instead of Olivia, but I feel like the fact that they're, Olivia and Peter are apart, and I think they're going to figure out that really quick, and I think that desire for Peter to get Olivia back, I think that'll be enough to make them have a sexual relationship. And I hope they play up those emotions instead of him potentially hooking up with Bolivia, because... I think it'll make Olivia's relationship with Peter in terms of romance more realistic and more viable because I just didn't feel like there was any romantic tension or a need for her and Peter to be together. And I think her being separated and her being trapped in that reality 
is going to do that and create that passion between them, which I think is important that I think we need to see. And we may end up liking Olivia better because we have this desire for Peter to want to be with her. So I think that's where they're going to go. My concern about this is that they didn't say this in the panel, but there was a preview for French Season 3 that I watched on YouTube that Fox did officially. They were talking about introducing a third reality. And I think if that happens, it'd get even more overly complicated, and it could turn into heroes. But I don't know about that one. So I hope they stay away from a third reality. I think one alternate reality is enough, and that'll make things exciting. And I'm just looking forward to how all that's going to play out. How Olivia and Walter did deal with each other. I want to see Walter did and Walter have a conflict with each other, actually have a scene together. I'm very excited for that. There's just a lot of things I'm excited about. I'm also excited about maybe potentially Charlie being brought back into the fold. The alternate Charlie. I had this theory about him switching realities and things like that. You can go back and listen to our episode about Fridge. That was our first episode of the podcast to find out about all that. But I just think there's a lot to play with with this alternate reality thing. And I can't wait to see what these amazing writers are going to do with it. I'm excited for the whole season. As I said, I don't have any real concerns about Fringe, and I'm just excited for it to start. And going back on that hero statement, I honestly, I think the writers of Fringe are smarter than that, so even if they do introduce a third reality, I think they're going to handle it with care and be very smart about things. So don't worry too much. It could happen, but the fact that this show had two very solid seasons and Heroes just had one, I think we'll be fine. Now I think it's about time to jump into one of Dan and my favorite shows, Chuck. And starting off with headlines, in the panel it is said that season four is all about Chuck quitting the CIA to find his mom, played by Linda Hamilton from the Terminator franchise. She will make her first appearance in episode one. The writers have no intention of breaking up Team Bartowski because the character interactions play a big part in this season's episodes. We will also see how Chuck and Morgan make a good and bad spy team. Which I think will be a lot of fun and will be quite hilarious. Olivia Munn, if you've watched Chief 4's Attack on the Show, she's the host, will be in a five-episode story arc as what seems to be a potential love interest for Morgan. Other guest stars for this coming season include Nicole Richie, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Dolph Lundgren, and the Old Spice guy, Isaiah Mustafa. The Bymore has been taken over by the CIA, meaning guest stars like Olivia Munn and the Old Spice guy will be operatives assigned to act as green shirt executives who help manage the store. Chuck now has full control over his intersect abilities, but he probably will be building new governors and updating the software in his head. However, this season is more about Chuck dealing with his personal relationships, not problems with the intersect. Which I think is the best way for them to go this year. I think what makes Chuck great is the character relationships and the humor. So I'm glad that they're playing that up and just getting away from him going crazy. Yeah, I was really happy to see this change in focus from last season. Well, on that episode with Christopher Lloyd where he's the psychiatrist and Chuck went crazy, that was somewhat disappointing. So I'm glad that they're staying away from episodes that could get weak like that. Also this season, which could end up being a good or bad thing, Chuck and Sarah will be a couple this season, which will lead to more comedic moments from Sarah. Alex, which is Casey's daughter, will return this season. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to continue with this idea 
of her being a love interest. Olivia Munn coming in as a potential love interest for Morgan has me confused at how things are going to work. I wonder if there's actually going to be a triangle to create tension between Casey and Morgan. I don't know. We'll see. I would say that this is a good addition of a recurring character. Many times it can be a show killer or jump the shark moment. But I, I don't anticipate that being the case with Alex. And I do see her still being a love interest of Morgan's. And a little Olivia Munn versus Alex action, I'll pay to see that. Yeah, and I also think it adds layers between the Casey and Morgan relationship, which is great. And the fans seem to love that so far. And I think the actors love playing it because Adam Baldwin and what's Morgan's name? Joshua Gomez. Joshua Gomez, yes. They were having a good time on stage at the Comic-Con talking about that relationship, and Josh Gomez said that Adam Baldwin has really soft hands and puts him in a chokehold that's like butter on his face, and they were laughing at each other. So it's good to see that they enjoy doing those scenes together, even though Casey absolutely acts like he abhors Morgan. Yes, which... and I'd also say check out this panel, because it's a lot of fun to watch. It also, was. Also, Jeffster performs a Lady Gaga song. Which it was great. Also, another headline coming out of the panel. There will be tension between Ellie and Chuck, which was pretty obvious, over him secretly continuing to be a spy to find their mother. And we don't know how, but Big Mike, Jeff, and Lester will all be back. And Big Mike, I think it's pretty obvious he's just going to stay manager of the probably new and improved, rebuilt by more. But Jeff and Lester, we're not sure because the season ended with them going on the run. And I think that kind of goes into what I'm kind of most excited about. I'm excited about uh, Morgan still continuing to be a part of the spy team and him having love interest and his interaction with all the characters. I think a lot of the humor comes from him and a lot of the enjoyment and the fun of the show comes from his character and him being put into danger and kind of freaking out or not knowing necessarily what to do. That's what made the first two seasons of Chuck great because that was Chuck's role. Now that's moved on to Morgan, so I can't wait to see what happens with him and their relationship, and then if he's going to have this love triangle with Olivia Munn and Alex, that's going to be great. I want to see how the Bymore crew fits into everything. I think that's going to be really fun and just entertaining to laugh at. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that this show may be going in so many directions that we may lose focus on the Chuck and Sarah story arc, and that the show may seem overly complex and we'll lose that little show that we all love. I'm not terribly concerned about this because Chuck has been great from day one, but I do hope that the action comedy that we fell in love with stays funny and action-packed. Now, I'm really looking forward to seeing Chuck and Sarah work on their own or in the new situation if it turns out that Sarah's still with the CIA and Chuck is on his own, or if they both leave and form what we've been terming Team Bartowski, and I'm looking forward to see how they'll work that out. I'm also really looking forward to Olivia Munn on the show. I love Olivia Munn because I watch G4's AOTS every day, and this summer has really not been that great for Attack of the Show fans because it's been half as funny because Olivia's been gone filming for Chuck and other projects all summer, so she's been on the show maybe four times, and the guest stars they have come in to do the show are fine, but they're not Olivia Munn, and she's really funny, she's good-looking, it's just a lot more fun when she's on there. 
I am also looking forward to Isaiah Mustafa very much. I love his commercials. He was on Attack of the Show right at the time that they were doing the personalized messages from Old Spice, and he's just hilarious. So I think Chuck's going to use him very well, and there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. And Dolph Lundgren, great to see him in the show. I'm looking forward to both Isaiah and Dolph, Olivia Munn too. The only thing that concerns me is Nicole Richie. I know she's been on there before and bringing her back. Why do people like her? Why is she? I think people got very overly excited about the cat fight that she and Sarah had in the shower. But is she even an actor or Not just a really. person? I just feel like they brought her in to have a cat fight. Yeah. I just don't understand people like her and Paris Hilton who are, and even Kim Kardashian are only famous for like a sex tape or being a friend of the person who released the sex tape. My concern about that is I feel like they're doing that because they're not sure what necessarily to do with Sarah at some points. Okay. This This show is doing something gutsy. They're breaking the big Joss Whedon rule of you can't keep relationships together. Yeah. And they're going to go for a whole season trying to keep a relationship together. And it didn't work on Smallville. Season 5 did a half a season trying to keep Clark in a relationship with Lana. And Lana literally had nothing to do. Or Christian Crook had, like, no lines. Which is fine with me. I'm not the biggest Christian Crook fan. But I'm saying things like that could happen with Chuck. But now if they play it smart, what they need to do is they need to apply a sitcom family dynamic to Chuck. Which I was thinking about, I was trying to think of a good show for an example of that. And I was thinking of King of Queens. But you've seen that show. It's Kevin James, big chubby fat guy who's in Grown Ups, if you've seen him. He and the character that's the wife, Carrie, they have a relationship, but what happens is, it's always about Doug getting into trouble with things that's got going on, and Carrie's the one that kind of puts him back in check, or yells at him, or gives him a rough time. So I'm hoping that that happens with Sarah, where she and Chuck have domestic problems that are normal for a sitcom like Everybody Loves Raymond or King of Queens, but the spy aspects added to it to make it much bigger and larger. And a lot of the episodes are going to deal with Chuck and Morgan doing something dumb or getting into trouble and Sarah kind of bailing them out or teaching them a lesson or just keeping Chuck out of trouble. So I hope they got that kind of stuff also, I hope she gets some funny lines and funny moments like she did near the end of season three, because it was fun to see her joke around and do accents and stuff like that. It was entertaining, and it also makes us want to see her and Chuck together more. We've discussed that in the past, and I'm really looking forward to that moment when Sarah totally geeks out in front of everyone, and everyone just stops and stares at her, and she says something like, what? Chuck said something about it last week. It'll be really funny. And we're going to move on to the next panel, the last panel, which is also a fun one to watch, and you need to watch it if you haven't, especially if you enjoy Nathan Fillon. We're going to talk about Castle. Castle and Beckett will not get together until the end of the show due to the cast and creator's fear of making the same mistake as Moonlighting. And that comment was not made during the panel. It was said on the G4 special just to clarify in case everyone's looking for that when they're watching the panel. Also, season three will deal with the comedy and possible drama created by Castle's book, 
heat wave becoming a movie. Now, the Comic-Con panel, actually, you can watch it on YouTube, featured a trailer for the heat wave movie, which will exist within the show's universe. That was an excellent preview that they put up there. And also the one where Nathan Fillion playing Castle did a shoot from the Hamptons. And if you haven't seen any of the Comic-Con episodes or any of the stuff online, do seek it out because it is really funny. And there's a summer Twitter thing going on with Rick Castle that is not intricate to the storyline, but it will enhance your viewing pleasure. So you should check that out as well. And the link for that is also provided in the video. And we should exactly. Have, we'll put the link to the video up on this website or in your ACC feed. Now, Alexis starts dating and begins taking some of the same chances that Castle took as a kid, which he is skeptical about. It'll be hilarious. Yes, rightfully so. I mean, it's just going to be some good humor. He's going to be freaking out. We don't know what's going to happen. And also, I hope some of it intertwines Alexis to some of the stories of the mysteries. So she's more of a part of things. I do worry that she could be a character that has nothing to do or is useless. So I'm glad that they're doing these things to just make her character more interesting. Also, to make the show more interesting, I'm also very excited about they're going to introduce the show's first reoccurring villain, who is designed to give Beckett and Castle a real challenge, and I would assume is going to be a nemesis for Castle, which I'm very excited about. There is information revealed about Castle's father that could lead to a mystery in future seasons. Show creator Andrew Marlowe says that season three will delve deeper into the murder of Beckett's mom and the conspiracy behind it. However, the writers don't want to resolve the mystery too quickly because it's what makes Beckett's character compelling. I'll speak to that in a moment. Nathan Fillion mentioned double rainbows during the panel and gave a double rainbow maker to a fan. Double rainbow, oh my god. It's a double rainbow all the way. Yes, I love that. Yeah, check that out on YouTube if you haven't checked it out. Just type in double rainbows and check out that video. It's quite hilarious. Castle's mom's boyfriend, Chet, will be in several episodes at the beginning of the season. There will be several mysteries this season that deal with topics covered by reality television, like the restaurant mystery in season two. Season three features several special guest stars whose identities are currently unknown or they just haven't released them yet. According to the preview show during the panel, there will be an episode where Castle is framed for murder and Beckett is forced to arrest him. And due to the fact that they had that footage so early, I'm assuming it's going to be connected to the season premiere. Either the season premiere or one of the first three or four episodes. Yeah, and I'm really excited for this season of Castle upcoming. I think the show so far has been double rainbows all the way. <laughs> it's just, yes. it's been rock solid, it's enjoyable, it's a lot of fun, but you know, it felt at times during season two near the end that it was getting a little repetitive, and the show's probably was most successful during the two episode story arc they had. They had a two-parter in the middle of the season, and that really got huge ratings. It was really exciting and intense, and I think that they could enhance that concept or enhance that viewership if they do a overarching storyline, which seemed to work very well with Bones. I started watching Bones season three, then they introduced kind of their first multi-episode story arc, and it's outstanding. I absolutely love it, and I think that Castle with season three should follow suit with Bones and do that same type of thing, because 
I mean, I just can't tell you that this master storyline between Bones is awesome. And I just hope they do that again with Castle, especially if they make it a nemesis. I just think it's going to be a great thing. And I hope that they intertwine it with the plot line about Beckett's mom to see where that goes. Because they did that kind of on Bones, where there's a plot line going on with Bones' father, and then this plot line called the master plot line is going on at the same time where they're intertwined with each other. So I hope we get something like that with Castle, because it's going to make you want to watch every week, and it's going to get you excited about things. So I hope they keep that going, because it seemed to work with a two-part, and I could not even imagine what the ratings are going to be like when they make it a multi-episode arc. So it's a good move on their part. Yeah, I'm really excited to see some of those same things as well. Getting back to the idea of they don't want to resolve the issues with Beckett's mother's murder, I totally respect this decision by the writers and understand their reasons behind it, because I kind of really have been pushing this in our discussions, you and I, off the air, but I'm hoping that they do include this majorly in this season, because it's going to really dive into Beckett's character, like you were saying, that they don't want to do it too fast because this is what makes her Beckett. But I do want them to continually throw us a bone and give us a clue every once in a while, and I'm really hoping every couple episodes they send us a clue that progresses that storyline and maybe not determine the answer or find the killer this season, but at least get us moving towards that direction. And so I'm really looking forward to that plot line going forward. And then we talked about the reality television thing from season two where they had the America's Next Top Chef or whatever poof on there. And Dan and I really hate reality television. So we're not going to get a lot of the references they make in those episodes, and I hope that it doesn't become a distraction for us, but I know that it will be fine and interesting to many other viewers who like that kind of thing, and many of our listeners may enjoy those shows, so those will be enhancements for those people. I'm just hoping it's not a detraction for the rest of us. I don't think so for us because you're going to have Nathan Phillips' wit and charm, and that can get me through an episode of the show. Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% there. Now, you talked about Bones getting so much better when they went to that overarching or recurring villain, the Master. Yeah. And if you go back to our discussion on Supernatural and Bones, you'll see that I told you in that episode of our podcast that absolutely the minute you get to that portion, the show just kind of takes off for you and your interest would delve in deeper. And I think Castle's going to do the same thing when we find a serial killer or we find a killer that irks them and they can't find them in the one-hour episode and it takes maybe five, six episodes and they're only getting a little bit closer to catching them. I think that's going to make this show go from excellent to that other level up to just like one of the best shows on television because you got a great lead actor, Nathan Fillion. You got good writing. You got compelling storylines. There's no reason that this shouldn't be at the top of everybody's list for television. And I'm looking forward to that when Castle makes that turn. Well, it was enough to scare uh, CSI Miami off of Monday night. And I think this show is much more accessible than the CSI because it's got something for everybody. I agree. Wit, charm, family, you name it. What you want to see at the show, this is a total package. So if you haven't been watching Castle, check it out. It's a lot of fun, and I think it's going to get even better with this season to come. And also, Nico, I want to say, with the plot line for Beckett's mom, I think you're going to become less antsy to get answers 
when they start these overarching story arcs. Because you're going to be looking for answers to a lot of different things, and you're going to have a lot of questions, and all those questions I'll be able to hold you over. But I do agree that there needs to be something at least by episode five of this upcoming season. Okay. Right now we're going to just wrap things up on an episode that went double rainbows all the way. And with next week, we're going to take a look at the new episodes of Leverage and White Collar. White Collar is a great show right now. If you haven't checked that one out, keep watching it. It just continues to get better every episode. We're going to talk about these episodes airing on their respective network. And we're also going to do a comparison with these two shows. Because they're very similar, and I've been recently kind of making a list of comparisons between the show. And I want to share that with you because it's somewhat interesting. Also, you can contact us in a variety of different ways if you have questions about this episode, any of our previous episodes, or some of the information that we found out at Comic-Con. You can contact us by emailing us at acrosstheairways at gmail.com. You can also hit up our Twitter, which is Across Airwaves. Just all one word, Across Airwaves. There's no thought there, just for easy access purposes. You can also visit our website at www.acrosstheairwaves.com. You can also give us that elusive voicemail that we are desperately looking for. And you can give us that voicemail by calling what number? 773-809-3363. And if you call that number, I'm telling you right now, first person that calls and leaves a voicemail, you are automatically on the air. You want to have a voicemail really bad, so please, we'll give you on the air. We'll give you a nice pat on the back, too. So if you could leave that message, we'd really appreciate it. I know there's a lot of you listeners out there, so please pick up the phone and call. Some of you even know us, so it's really simple for you to call us. So just pick up the phone, call, and leave us one voicemail. It would be great to hear from you on air. So with that, once again, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Rexton. And until next week, we'll catch you on the airwaves. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.